Welcome to another great message by Pastor Adrian Wright, lead pastor at Anchor Church. We pray this message will encourage, inspire, and transform your life. Our heart is to share the hope of Jesus with our city and nation. Today I want to share a message with you in our Heart for the House series called This Is Why. Um, I want to share a message with you called Break the limits, break the limits. What are the limitations that you have placed on yourself? What are the limitations that others have placed on you? What are the limitations that you have indirectly placed on God in terms of how he can use you and what he can do in your life? Because we all struggle with these limitations, these natural limitations, and going beyond them requires true faith and true trust. And so we've been speaking about the invitation that God has given us as a church not to settle, not to just be comfortable, not to be content with the comfortable, not to settle for second best and say, this is okay, as long as we can do this, uh, then we're fine. You see, what God has given us as a church and as a leadership is by his grace, a clear vision of the kingdom. And we're believing that that vision will become clearer and clearer in our hearts and in our minds and in the hearts of minds of every person that's on this journey with us as a church. But when you've come to know God's kingdom, when you've come to experience his grace and his love, there's no way you can be content with comfort. There's something that awakens on the inside of you that means that we're constantly hearing God calling us to the more that he has for us. I want to tell you today that God has more for your life. He has more for your family. He has more for your future. And he has more for our church. These are the kinds of lives that we want to live. We want to be living big, audacious lives. We want to be trusting God in, you know, with stupid courage sometimes, personally, individually, and also as a church. We want to take God as his word, at his word, and run with whatever he has called us to. And so we are encouraging everybody to not settle for a small life, but to step out with big faith. It's the kind of church that we want to be, a church that is boldly pursuing the reason for which Christ pursued us. We've always said that as part of our team. We say we are together pursuing the reason for which Christ pursued us. The Bible says that. It says that there is a purpose for which Christ pursued you, for which he reached into your life and brought you into this place where you know him, where you've experienced his grace. It's because He has a purpose for you, and now we get to pursue the purpose for which Christ pursued us. We get to live big lives with big faith, um, and this honors God. It's an honoring way. It's a worshipful way to live your life when you can trust God in this way. How many times did Jesus actually challenge his own disciples when they were thinking too small and saying to them, you know, oh, you of little faith? Don't you know who your God is? This betrays the fact that we've often relegated God and limited his ability to what we perceive as possible. And so many times when the disciples did this, Jesus said, oh, you of little faith, don't you know what God is able to do? I think we're far more in danger of believing too small and thinking too small and dreaming too small than we are of over, you know, uh, estimating. You can't overestimate God's power and God's ability. We can never dream too big. We can never outdream God's ability. So why not dream big, think big, and trust big? This is the, the, the kind of people, the kind of church that we want to be. We mustn't forget who our God is. 
or limit him to our practical and reasonable expectation. When God is involved, our practical limitations and reasonability go out the window because there is a supernatural God involved in our journey. Often the reason why we limit God is because in our minds, we've equated his ability to our ability. You know, we think, yeah, I think theoretically God could probably do that, but I know myself and God could never do that through me. Or God could never do that through us. Or God could never do that in Joburg. Or God doesn't really do that in this time in history. He used to do those kinds of miracles in the old days, but now things are different and the world is, looks a lot different. And so we equate God's ability to our ability. This is a massive mistake. God has actually called us and challenged us, Jesus, as we looked at, to live in expectation, to pursue the things that God has called us to with faith and to believe for all that God has promised for us and planned for us to do. So we are the ones that often become the bottleneck in what God wants to do. And, and he is inviting us to, to, through our faith, open up and allow his ability to flow through our lives and through our church um, and not to settle for less. God is inviting us not to settle for less than his best. Why do we limit ourselves so much? Why do we doubt ourselves so much or doubt at least what God can do through us? Um, one of the reasons is because of fear. We are fearful of what it might cost us and the steps that we might have to take. Often it's because we lack commitment. We're not, we're not actually willing to take those steps. We're too comfortable where we are. And so we don't want to be pushed beyond our comfort zone. Oftentimes it's just a, a pure habit of thinking small and limiting ourselves personally, never believing that God can do greater things through us. And it comes down to ultimately a lack of faith. It comes down to looking to ourselves and what we can do rather than fixing our eyes on Jesus who is the author and the finisher, the perfecter of our faith. He is the one that we trust. And so what we can do as individuals, what we can do as a church is limitless because of the God that we serve. Regardless of, of our uh, inability, it's God's ability that counts. And so, you know, oftentimes we don't give ourselves permission to see the future, permission to dream, permission to trust, and we lose sight of the why. You see, at the end of the day, thinking big and trusting God in a massive way and hungering for that faithfulness is not about us. It's not about us being able to walk around with medals of honor saying, well, we trusted God, look how great we are. It's not about us being able to, to grow in, in, in our own selfish ambitions. No, this is actually about, it's, it's actually more important than any of that because it's, it's about others. It's about the lives of others. It's about seeing people healed and restored and redeemed and, and set free. It's about seeing God work in other people's lives. And so you actually don't have the luxury of self-doubt. There isn't time for that. Because of what Jesus has done, the only thing that's left for us to do is be faithful and move forward. There are lives that depend on it. And so this is not a selfishly ambitious thing. Oh, you know, I trust God can, you know, make me prosper in a way that will make me comfortable. No, it's not about that. It's about seeing lives changed. And, and so we, we, we don't have permission to limit ourselves in terms of what God can do through us. Sometimes it's not, our, you know, we're not limiting ourselves. 
as much as others have limited us or placed their limitations on us. You know, people will very quickly assess your ability and what you can achieve and, and they will kind of rank you in their own minds. This is a kind of a silent thing that we uh, subconsciously do with many people that we meet. Uh, we assess where they fit in in terms of capacity and ability. But when we do that, we dishonor God's ability in people's lives. Um, they even did it with Jesus. You know, when Jesus went back to his hometown of Nazareth and, and he wanted to, you know, he was doing miracles all across, across that area. And uh, he went into Nazareth to his hometown and he wanted to pray. And, and there were, you know, he literally had miracles in store for the people there. Um, it says that, that because they had seen Jesus grow up, they relegated him. They were like, no, 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 are you talking about this Jesus and he's doing miracles? No, we know this guy. He grew up around here. We saw him as a kid running around, riding his bike up and down the streets. They didn't have bikes in those days, but whatever they used. You know, we, we saw him grow up here. And so we know he's not that special. And so it says that Jesus could not do many miracles in his hometown because of their lack of faith, because of their unbelief. And so sometimes, you know, God wants to work on our behalf, but we limit him from doing so because we say, well, God can't really do that. So we don't trust, we don't pray, we don't believe for God to do those things. Um, and, and so if they did it with Jesus, I can promise you now people will do it with you. They've done it with me, they've done, they've done you know, it's just how our world works. We say, well, so-and-so can achieve this much, but we can't really see them achieve this much or, you know, lead something significant or do something like that. Maybe somebody has put a limit on your life. Maybe some people have spoken words into your life that have made you doubt your own ability. And, uh, you know, you feel like others have put you in your place. That's the place they feel comfortable putting you. That's the place where you won't upset the apple cart. That's the spot that they believe is right for you. And their expectation is usually connected to their insecurity. They feel comfortable capping you at a certain level. But we are not to accept the limitations that we place on ourselves, and we're not to accept the limitations that others have placed on us. I believe that whatever limitations you're experiencing right now, and that we may have experienced as a church even in the past, God wants to break those limitations off of our lives. And, uh, and he tells us this in, in Ephesians 3 verse 20, it says, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we can ask or think, according to the power that is at work within us. Just listen to that. He is able to do far more abundantly than everything we can ask or think. What can you think about right now? What can you ask right now? How great is it? God can do more than that. According to what? The power that is at work within us. There is a greater power in you than you. And it's the presence of God's spirit, which means that we shouldn't limit ourselves according to what we think we can do. Because when God is with us, he empowers us for more. To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. So there's three things in that scripture. The first one is he is able to do more than we can ask or think. The second one is that it is according to the power of God that works in us. And the third point that we see in there is that it is for his glory. Ultimately, when God works through us, it's to glorify him. It's to bring glory to him. One of my favorite stories in the Bible is the story of Elijah being fed by ravens. Um, this is a time of famine in, in the land. And we find this scripture in 1 Kings 
chapter 17. It tells us the story of the prophet Elijah and how this famine hits the land. And during a time of famine, you can imagine if there is famine, if there's a lack of food, if there's a lack of rain, it's famine and drought and poverty um, and people are under pressure. The safest thing to do, the most comfortable thing to do is to stay in the city to stay in a populated area where you know that there is food that is flowing in, supplies are being delivered to that place. You don't go out into isolation. It's safer to stay where you can buy supplies. The last thing you wanna do is to leave the city and wander around in the wilderness when there's a lack of rain and a lack of food. But yet, this is what God actually calls Elijah to do to leave the safety and the comfort of the city. You see, I believe that God, in calling us to follow Him, wants to show us His faithfulness, wants to break our limits, and so often He disrupts our comfort and fills us with His purpose and calls us to step out in faith, step out and to trust, step out and to believe in His grace, to rest in that grace. And so in 1 Kings 17 verse 2, it says, And the word of the Lord came to Elijah, and God said this to him, depart from here and turn eastward and hide yourself by the brook of Sherith, which is east of the Jordan. So get out of the city and go out to a little brook, just a little stream and wait there for further instructions. This must have seemed crazy to Elijah in a time of famine. It makes absolutely no sense that God is now leading him into a time of or a space of isolation in the midst of famine. And I can imagine Elijah going, seriously, I have everything I need. You know, I can, I can trust in the supplies and the arrival of the supplies. I can, you know, I can go buy from the markets. I can provide for myself. But God says, no, I want to provide for you. Believe in me and take the step. And so Elijah is obedient, which is what we should all do when God calls us. And he follows God's voice and he, he walks out and I can imagine Elijah arriving in the middle of the wilderness at a tiny little brook, just sitting there going, okay, I could rationalize how God would provide for me in the city or in the town, but how can he do it for me now here? How is God going to provide for me in this space? You see, that's the limitation. We often think, yes, God can do it for other people in other places, but for me right now, I know how impossible the situation seems, so I'm limiting what I think God can do. How will God do it in this environment? It's not possible. That's what we often think. You might be thinking that about your own life right now. 1 Kings 17 verse 4, God speaks to Elijah and he says, You shall drink from the brook, and I have commanded the ravens to feed you there. So he went and did according to the word of the Lord. He went and lived by the brook Sherith, that is in the east of the Jordan. And the ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning and bread and meat in the evening, and he drank from the brook. Something obviously supernatural, where morning and evening, God feeds Elijah in that impossible place using ravens. Now, I don't know if you have ever seen a raven, but it is pretty much the most menacing, terrifying bird of all time. I don't know if there is a scarier bird than a raven. It must be descended from some demonic force or some 
I don't know, Velociraptor or something because they are terrifying. I actually remember uh, the first time I saw, uh, they actually call it a murder of crows, you know, those crows or those ravens, is when I went to uh, London and I visited the Tower of London. And they have ravens at the Tower of London and, and they, they have, uh, you know, the, the staff at the Tower feed those ravens and there's a, there's a rumor or, or a, a folklore that says that that if the ravens ever left the Tower of London, the monarchy would fall. And so they take good care of those ravens. And I remember walking past this murder of crows and actually feeling legitimately afraid. They eat meat, like solid chunks of meat, and they are terrifying to look at. Um, If you know ravens, if you've seen ravens feed or be fed, you'll know that they do not share. They are not the courier guy. They are not Mr. Delivery or Uber Eats. They are not dropping off food at your house for you. They, I I don't even know if mother ravens share food with their own young. You know, a more appropriate name, you know, rather than the ravens or the, you know, the crows of London um, would be the demon birds of London. That should be their official title. If God used something like a dove or a robin or a weaver. That would make more sense in the story because we'd all be, yeah, that, you know, they're such lovely birds. I can see, you know, the the lovely kind weaver bringing some food to Elijah. But no, God sends the demon birds uh, because he is showing Elijah, this is how limitless my power actually is. Even when you think it's impossible, God will make it possible. And he wants you to know it. He wants you to see it and experience it. When we obey God's call ultimately, when we go out like Elijah did, and when we trust in God's provision for our lives, for our church and for our future, we will have uh, the miraculous as our breakfast. We will have rivers of grace become our sustenance. Then we are living in the miracle zone where God can do those kinds of things and he will sustain us by his grace. What happened here to Elijah in this moment? As Elijah goes out and he sits at that brook and morning and evening he is fed bread and meat by ravens. What is God doing in Elijah's heart and life in that moment? I believe that what God was doing was breaking Elijah's limits. Whatever limits he felt existed, God is breaking them. In fact, that word shareth means the place of separation. And I believe that it's when we sit in that position, when we're in the midst of the impossible, what feels impossible, that God actually separates us from what is humanly possible, the earthly expectations, and produces in us a new spiritual faith. It's a place of separation where we we leave our old limitations behind and we now begin to walk in the supernatural ability of God as God sustains us supernaturally. When we started Anchor Church, we were taking a massive step into the unknown. And at that point, I remember feeling that bringing in enough money to be able to afford any venue would be a miracle. And then God provided that. And over time, we were able to to afford uh, a venue and rent a space. And those spaces have grown and developed over time. We're now moving into our own building for the first time, a place that we'll have, you know, every day of the week where we can fit everything out and be here and do all of our ministry here. 
then after that, you know, it, it felt like being able to employ one staff member would be a massive stretch for us. Now we have several staff members and that team is growing and, and we've seen God work on our behalf. And step by step by step, as God has led us on this journey, he has broken the limits and is breaking the limits off of us, off of our faith, so that we can dream bigger and bigger as we move forward. But, but why does God want to do this? You know, we were talking about this as why. Why does God want to break your limits? Again, we said before, it's not because we have selfish ambition. It's not because we just want to stand at the end of our lives, at the end of our journey and say, look at how much we've done. You know, we're so great. No, God has a purpose. And we find Elijah's, as Elijah's limitations are broken, God immediately uses his broken limitations to his glory. In 1 Kings 17, verse 7, just a few verses later, this is what happens. It says, and after a while, the brook dried up. Now imagine you're like, oh, okay, I'm comfortable with the brook. Now the brook is gone. And again, this is often how when the grace runs out, when the brook dries up, God is actually moving you into the next season. So the brook dried up because there was no rain in the land. The word of the Lord came to him saying, arise, go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon and dwell there. So God sends him to a new place. Behold, I have commanded a widow there to feed you. So again, God has already got the provision at the next stop, at the next level, in the next moment, at the, in the new season. God's already provided for you. His provision is waiting for you in that season. So he arose and went to Zarephath. And when he came to the gate of the city, behold, a widow was there gathering sticks. And he called her and said, bring me a little water in a vessel that I may drink. And she was going to bring it. He called to her. As she was going to bring it, he called to her and said, bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. He's obviously hungry. He wants some bread. And she said, as the Lord your God lives, I have nothing baked, only a handful of flour in a jar and a little oil in a jug. And now I am gathering a couple of sticks that I may go in and prepare it for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. And Elijah said to her, do not fear. You see, so, so now Elijah is encountering her limitations. She says, there's nothing that we have left. We have some flour and a little bit of oil. We're going to make some bread, eat it, and then we're done. There we don't have, there isn't provision. She doesn't see the miracle that God can do. But what does Elijah see? Elijah's just been fed by ravens for days. He's been drinking from a brook. God has taken care of him. So his limitations that he felt were on him are broken. And now he knows what God can do. So immediately he responds to this woman in faith. Elijah said to her, do not fear. Go and do as you have said, but first make me a little cake of it and bring it to me. And afterward, make something for yourself and your son. For thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, the jar of flour shall not be spent and the jug of oil shall not be empty until the day the Lord sends rain upon the earth. Something miraculous is about to happen. And she went and did as Elijah said, and she and he and her household ate for many days. The jar of flour was not spent. Neither did the jug of oil become empty, according to the word of the Lord that he spoke by Elijah. Elijah's limits are broken. It's like, you don't know. I know what God can do. You may not see it, but I can encourage you in your faith to trust God to work on your behalf. It enabled him to serve others supernaturally. When you've tasted God's grace and provision, God's miracle working power in your own life, and you encounter somebody that has a need, you are able to trust God 
for their miracle. You're able to pray for them. You're able to encourage them because you know God can do it because you know he's done it for you. Ultimately, this woman's life and her family's life, lives are saved by the faith of Elijah and, and by what God had done through Elijah. And this is why we build our faith. We trust God. We take big steps because we are trusting God for all the miracles that he will do in the lives of others. And so we cannot limit our faith. God has us on a journey where he is systematically breaking down the limitations, whatever limitations we have placed on ourselves as individuals and as a community. So I want to end today by asking you the question, what do you think about when you think about your own life? When you look in the mirror, do you limit God's ability according to what you see physically in the mirror? Saying to yourself something along the lines of, I can't really make a difference. I won't be able to play much of a role. My second question is, what do you think about when you think about Anchor Church? If you're a member of our church, and if you've been on this journey with us or you've just joined the journey, you know, are you one of those that think, yes, Anchor is a nice church. I don't really see much more happening there than what is happening right now. I can't really perceive it being a part of something bigger that God wants to do. Do you limit your vision for Anchor Church? Because the vision we carry, this limitless vision, is not something that the leaders carry. It's something that we all carry because it's connected to our values. It's connected to God's call on our community as a people. And God calls us and encourages us and invites us to trust in him on that journey. Can you see yourself being a part of Anchor Church as we bring thousands of souls into the kingdom of God? Can you see us shaping a city and influencing a nation? Can you taste the miracles that God will do? Can you hear the worship that will go forth as we bring glory to God through our lives? This is the kind of vision and faith that God wants us to have. And we can because our limits have been broken. Therefore, we will not settle for less than God's best. The future is here. The future is now. This is our turn to run. Let's keep praying. Let's keep leaning in. Let's keep believing. Do not allow people to limit what God can do in your life or through your life because he has a great plan for you, for your family, and for our church. Keep praying with us. We start our fast tomorrow. Pray with us. Believe with us. Pray for the, the most impossible things that you can think of. Why not? Trust God in a big way and watch what he will do. We love building this faith together as a community. And so we trust you to continue with us. Join us on Sunday, the 15th of November, so that we can encourage you in that faith, strengthen you in that faith, and we will see God do incredible things. Thank you for joining us today here at Anchor Church. We love you. We can't wait to see you. Have a great week, everybody, and we will see you again next Sunday.